Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. For more information about Adventure Church, please visit our website at adventurechurch.tv. Now, prepare your heart for a message from God's Word. Today, we're really going to focus in, again, on what Christmas is about, what our focus should be as Christ followers during Christmas, how we can make sure to keep Christ at the center of it all. And so today, I've titled my message, Take Control, and it's to take control of Christmas. Well, how many of you are still grieving this morning? I know we have a couple Michigan State fans here with us. Uh, I I was praying for protection over them as they were uh, sporting their gear today, Uh, but hey, you know, you win some and you lose some, right? And so the Buckeyes, 24 and 1 over two years is still not too shabby, right? God is still good. He's on the throne and uh, we'll be in, I think, the Orange Bowl. So we'll still have something to look forward to. But I'm grieving with you uh, and the cold weather isn't helping us, is it? Well, today I want to, first of all, talk a little bit about how Christmas has really changed over the years. On our Christmas Eve service, we're going to do a classic Christmas experience. And if you even listen to the music of how it used to be and how it is now, uh, my daughter is a huge fan of the show Sophia the Princess, a new one on Disney Junior. She loves it. And Sophia, they had their uh, holiday episode, not their Christmas episode, and they celebrated a whole made-up holiday. It was called like Wazaja or something weird like that. And they had a Wazaja miracle because they don't want to offend anyone and say Christmas. And our culture has really tried to do everything they can to take Christ out of Christmas, to make it totally about something else. And really the, the glaring example that we have this time of year, last weekend, where Christmas has really changed is Black Friday, right? I mean, Black Friday has just really gotten more and more ridiculous every, every year. And in fact, I have a news clip here from ABC News that talks a little bit about Black Friday. Let's take a look at that. Eager shoppers across the country was a black and blue Friday. Ugly scenes, people slugging it out right in the middle of the aisle, fighting to get their hands on some of the best deals. This woman, we can't get enough of this video, using what looks like a stun gun on another bargain hunter. And ABC's Rob Nelson has been following this all. It begs the question, Rob, has Black Friday gone a bit too far? I think most people would say yes. Good morning, guys. It seems to be a new part of our holiday tradition. People whipping out their smartphones and cameras to grab footage of all that Black Friday chaos this year. No exception with brawls, bullet holes, even a stun gun all captured on video as America's biggest shopping day once again came with a violent side. Black Friday bedlam once again took over America's malls and department stores. Perhaps the most alarming is this footage from inside a Philadelphia mall where two women began brawling at 2.30 in the morning, one eventually pulling out a taser. You can hear the crackle of the stun gun. And watch as the sparks fly. And check out this brawl from inside a Texas Walmart as two women battle for a TV set. Police eventually throwing one woman to the floor and cuffing her. The situation also came to blows in this parking lot of a California Walmart. Crack that 
Uncle Doug? Security expert J.R. Roberts says stores taking extra steps to lure in big crowds are not always taking extra steps for security. A lot of the retailers who've convinced people they will get one-in-a-lifetime deals, and so they have to get there, and as a consequence, we see a lot of chaos. But with Black Friday shopping numbers on the rise, videos showing off chaos now seem as customary as the turkey dinner. Wow. Black Friday, right? Or she said black and blue Friday. And we can sit here and kind of chuckle at it because it really is humorous to see what people will do to save some money, to, to get the deal, you know, staying, you know, sleeping outside in tents and cold weather, lining up, you know, days beforehand just so the, the hopes that they can get this deal, you know, and Walmart will advertise all these crazy sales, what they don't tell you is that they actually have 10 of those TVs in stocks and that you're going to have to run and fight for them. And people just get crazy. On Black Friday alone, the Black Friday weekend, close to $60 billion was spent in the U.S. $60 billion in one weekend. That's not including Cyber Monday, which added a whole, another sum of money to that. It was an average of over $400 per shopper. That gone out. See, Christmas in our culture has gone commercial. It's all about what you can get. It's all about how our, the advertising and the companies can sell a product. And they've taken Christmas and are using it so that they can make money and, and sell things and do different things. And we as Christians have to make sure that we don't get sucked in to that culture of Christmas, that our world is getting worse and worse and worse every year, right? They won't let you put up nativity scenes anymore, you know, on the state line, all the things. It's not a Christmas tree anymore. It's a tree of illumination. You don't have a Christmas party at work. You have a holiday party. They're going to do everything they can to take Christ out of Christmas. So as Christ followers, we have to make sure that we do everything we can to keep Christ in Christmas, that we keep it focused on him and about what it's all supposed to be about. And that's the awesome thing that God has given us from the very beginning. When Adam and Eve were created, he gave them the power of free will, that all of us have the ability to choose what we do. And hopefully you didn't choose to go shopping on Thanksgiving night. If you do, I won't judge you too bad. But, but hopefully we're making the choices that will keep Christ in Christmas. We have the power to make that choice. And so today, the challenge is going to be this, is that we have to make sure that we take control over our own individual Christmases because we have the full ability to do that. Over this series, we've been looking at different aspects of the Christmas story from Mary and Joseph. And today we're going to look at the story of the three wise men found in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This is the first Christmas. This is, was a little chaotic for these guys as well. They had a journey that they went on and they made a choice. Again, they had the power to choose then. They made a choice to keep Christmas about Jesus. Let's read this story together. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting excuse me, he called a meeting of the leading priest and the teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you, and he will be the shepherd of my people Israel. 
Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when they saw the star first appeared, and he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And they went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. They opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So Herod, in this story, this is the story of Jesus' birth. Herod's getting a little, uh, you know, worried about this. He's feeling like his kingdom is threatened. Herod was a very ruthless king. He killed his own family members when they threatened his kingdom. He was a bad, bad guy. And so when he hears about this new king that's being born, his kingdom's being threatened. So he's wanting to figure out what's going on. And how this story actually goes is he's he's using the wise men to try to find Jesus so he can really kill him. And so when the wise men, if you read on in Matthew and finish that story, they go a different route home because Herod was upset with them. And then Herod puts out a decree to kill every child that's two and under. And so Jesus and his family have to flee out of there. But the wise men took control over their Christmas. They did the right thing. They kept it about Jesus. And we're gonna talk a little bit through their journey and learn some things from them today that if we apply them to our life, I believe too that we can take control of Christmas, be wise like these guys, and keep Christmas what it's supposed to be about. So if we're gonna do that, the first point today is this. If we are gonna keep Jesus at the center of Christmas, take control of Christmas, we have to defy culture. We have to defy our culture. I love that I was looking up the definition of this and and this is what it said. It said to, to defy means to fly in the face of. To fly in the face of. These wise men came from a whole different culture. They, the, the journey that they went on was said to be about a thousand miles that they came. They came from somewhere in Babylon area that they went on this long journey. They, didn't, they, they weren't Christians at that time. They weren't Jews where they knew about Jesus. They found out, they defied their culture, they defied their own religion, the people around them, and they set out to go on this journey. And we have to make sure that we don't allow culture to control our Christmas. We can't allow culture. We can't control what goes around, right? Black Friday, all that stuff, we can't control that. We can't stop it. But we can choose how we respond to it and how we participate in it. We have to, as Christ followers, defy the culture that says Christmas has gone commercial. Christmas is about making money. It's about getting gifts. It's about all these parties. It's about all this other stuff. We have to fly in the face of that which means you're going to face opposition. It means you're going to be going against the grain. You're not going to be just going with the flow. But if we're going to take control of Christmas, we have to defy our culture. I remember a few years back, I was a youth pastor at a church, a larger church, and we had a youth ministry of a couple hundred kids, and we had all these small groups. And so every small group would have their own Christmas party. And so as the the Christmas season went on, so from like early December through the end of December, I looked at my calendar one day and I had 14 Christmas parties that I had to attend from either staff parties, church staff, youth staff, uh, you know, work stuff. We had small group stuff. We had all these things. I counted, I'm like 14 
Christmas parties that I was going to have to attend. So even in the Christian culture that I was in, where all these parties, everybody wanted to have you over, you're the pastor, come over to my house, come do this. I had to, to really settle in and take control. I didn't have kids at that time, thank the Lord. But I had to take control of my own Christmas as a pastor, where I really had to rein it in and go, is this what it's supposed to be about? Is it supposed to be about me running ragged and trying to get everywhere across town? And when our small groups meet, trying to spend five minutes at this Christmas party and go over to another one and buy this white elephant gift and do all this stuff. And I found myself getting caught in the chaos of Christmas. And I had to make a decision to say, never again. I have to defy the culture around me that wants to suck me in to the chaos to keep Christmas about Jesus. First Peter chapter 2 verses 10 through 11 in the NASB says this, for you were, for you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You have You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge urge you as aliens, look at your neighbor and say alien. Look at him and say stranger. To abstain from worldly desires which wage war against your soul. So our culture is waging war on Christmas. They're doing everything they can to keep Christmas out. And what Peter's saying here is this. is like, look, you used to belong to that way of life. Maybe it wasn't that long ago for some of you. Maybe you haven't been a Christian for, for very long. Or maybe it's been a long time. They said you used to be a part of that world that, that wages war against your soul, that wages war against what God wants for your life. And it says, but look, now you're an alien to that. You don't belong to that anymore. An alien, right? We all know what aliens are, right? We don't know if they exist or not. Maybe they do. Who knows? God's pretty big. He could be as big to have aliens somewhere else. We don't know that for sure. But aliens, you know, the Bible doesn't say anything about it. Don't send me an email, okay? I'm just saying. We don't, you know, watch this sci-fi channel or something. But, but it says that we're an alien. That means we don't belong to this. We're not supposed to look like everyone else. We're not supposed to act like anyone else. If an alien came to our world, we would notice that they were a little bit different, right? So as Christ followers, we have to fly in the face of culture. We have to defy it. We should look different in the way we do our lives, the way we decorate our house. No, I'm just kidding about that. Uh, you can decorate your house however you want. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but we have to fly in the face of it. We have to defy the culture. We should look different. We can't allow the external pressures, culture, family, friends, to prioritize your Christmas. You can't allow those pressures to prioritize your Christmas. We belong to a different kingdom. We were bought with a price. We belong to God. We belong to his kingdom. We are the little drummer boys that now march to the beat of a different drum. We don't follow the customs of this world. We follow Jesus and his plan. And Christmas is all about Jesus. So what do you need to do? You need to choose not to maybe go into debt this Christmas. Maybe make a choice to say, you know what, for some of you, I'm just going to give you the gift of time. I remember there's some Christmases where in the Christmas card I would say, I will mow your yard, Dad. Merry Christmas. I will do this. I'll do that. Maybe it's just being there, you know? We, my sister and we talked the other day, and we, every year it's like we spend a certain amount on each other, and we were like, hey, this year, you know, you just want to call it even? Like, you know, like, oh, you're going to spend this amount on me. I'm going to go try to find something else for that amount for you. And, you know, we, so just so we can exchange really money, and then we go get whatever we want, you know? I was just like, you know what? Let's just keep it simple. Let's just keep it what it's about. I'd rather just spend time with you than have to spend all my time trying to find a present for you and, and try to compete and, you know, we get into this deal where, you know, people at your work, you're like, oh man, are they going to buy me a present? 
Because then I'm going to have to go buy them a present. And if they get me one, I'm going to have to get them one. And then, oh, is my aunt, she going to bring me something? Oh, I don't know what to do. And we, we, we get caught up in this chaos of, of Christmas. And, and we allow those external pressures to control us and to dictate what we do. So maybe for some of you, just choose not to go into debt. You know, they call credit card the plastic people eaters. Why would you spend money on people that you really, you know, it's just this this chaos of it to get away from that. Maybe you need to choose to just make sure that you volunteer or serve and, and give back in some way. Maybe you just need to choose, like we talked about the last week, choose the better. Don't get caught in the chaos and just say, you know what, I'm gonna spend time with my family. I'm gonna spend time with the people I care about. But we have to defy culture. How do we do that? Colossians chapter three, verses one through four says this. It says, since you have been raised to new life in Christ, so since you are now following Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So how do we fly in the face of this resistance? Because you're going to be going against the grain. You're going to be going against the flow, the natural flow of our culture. And if we're going to defy that and fly in the face of it, we fly in the face of it with our eyes focused on Jesus on the realities of heaven, not on the things of this world, not on what we can get, not on all this stuff. So you know what? Christmas is about Christ. It's about his birth. It's about God's love for us. It's about him coming to save us. And and I'm going to keep my focus on Jesus. I'm going to fly in the face with my focus directly on Jesus, staying in his word, being a seeker of him. We don't belong to this world, so we don't focus on it, is what Colossians is saying. He said, you used to do that stuff, but now we don't allow the pressures of this world to dictate what we do. That we died to that life. We focus our realities on Jesus. So we are in this world. We can't get away from it, but we are not of it. We don't allow it to control us. So if we're going to take control of Christmas like the wise men, we're going to have to defy our culture. Fly in the face of it is the first thing. The second thing that we need to do then is to be a seeker to be a seeker. The wise men didn't allow anything to stop them from worshiping Jesus. Not even the distraction and the intimidation of the ruthless King Herod. They knew his reputation. They knew what he could do. They had to go a different way home to avoid him because they were afraid for their lives. He could have thrown them off course, but they stayed focused on Jesus. They stayed focused. They were a seeker of him. Last year at Christmas, we were living in Oklahoma City. It's about a 14-hour drive. And we were getting ready. We, had, we knew we were coming back here to plant a venture church. And we had all the plans in place and all those things. And so we decided my wife's family lives in Wisconsin. Instead of trying to do like one big trip at Thanksgiving and then come back and then do another trip at Christmas, we we're like, you know what? This is pretty smart. We're just going to combine them. So we'll drive to Ohio 14 hours. We'll spend some time there. Then we'll drive the, the eight hours to Wisconsin and hang out there. And then we'll drive the 13 hours back from Wisconsin to Oklahoma City over the course of about 13 days, I think it was, that we did that and took the vacation time. And over 13 days at the time, Riley had just turned two, and Maddox, my son, was two months old, okay? Are you, are you picturing already the, the, the chaos of my journey that I got into? So over 13 days, we spent five days of that on the road, driving, 32 hours in the car, 2,250 miles with a two-month-old 
in a two-year-old. Come on, somebody. That's some commitment right there, right? I was committed to my family last Christmas. I was committed. You don't understand how thankful I am to be living here where I can drive 10 minutes now and be with my family and get back home and put my kids in their own bed. That was commitment. But these wise men, I'm telling you, they had it way worse than me. Their journey was a thousand miles. Some scholars believed it took them two years to get to, to worship Jesus. But the time they got to him, he wasn't in the manger anymore. It said in the scripture that he was in a home, that he was a toddler at this point. But they made that journey to worship Jesus. It doesn't give us details into what happened along the way. But these men, you know, wore sandals. They traveled through the desert on camels and foot right? That's a tough journey. I can't imagine. And these weren't, these were scholars. These guys were astrologers. They were wise men. They were educated. They were well-respected. They left their jobs. They left their families because something in them said, I need to be a seeker of Jesus, to seek after him. Their journey was tough, way tougher than mine. And, and it takes that kind of devotion to really seek God the way that he wants us to seek him. First Chronicles 28 Eight through nine says this. So now, and this is David talking to his son Solomon about building the temple. So he says, so now with God as our witness in the sight of all Israel, the Lord's assembly, I give you this charge. So he's talking to his son. Be careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God so that you may continue to possess the good land and leave it to your children as a permanent inheritance. And Solomon, my son, learned to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Now this is before Christ and this was about the temple and Solomon's leading the the Israel. He's as the king and he's saying, if you forsake the way of God, he's gonna reject you as king. Not reject you as a follower of him or, or reject you away from his grace and mercy. I don't want you to mistake that this morning. But he said this, so take this seriously. The Lord has chosen you to build a temple in his sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. Some of the key words I pulled from this passage is this, obey. Do we like to obey all the time? No, we don't. Worship, sacrificially worshiping God, giving of ourselves to him, serving him. And then he says, and be strong and do the work. So in this passage, he says, if you seek God, you'll find him. But to be a true seeker, just like these wise men who had to travel for two years on foot and camel through a desert to get to Jesus, it said that you have to be willing to obey, to worship, to serve, and to work to really find God the way that he wants you to find him. Many of you don't just want God. Many of you in the situations in your life, you really need God. You really need him. You need him to come through. You need a Christmas miracle when it comes to a relationship in your family. You need a Christmas miracle when it comes to your finances. You need a Christmas miracle when it comes to your physical health. And many of us, the problem is, is that when we face resistance, when we really need God more than than ever in our life, we tend to step back from him. And we tend to wait on him. I heard people all the time say, how's the situation going? How's it changing? I'm just waiting on God. You need to stop waiting on God and start seeking after God. The Bible's very clear that when you seek, you will find. If you draw close to him, it says he will draw close to you. God has always worked this way. God does not respond to need. He responds to faith. He responds to you taking a step of saying, God, I am drawing close to you. And he says, that's the kind of stuff that I honor. Those are the people that I can work with. But if we just sit back 
in our situation and we wait on God, I'm telling you from scripture today, you're going to be waiting for a long time. Jesus already came. We're not waiting for him anymore. He came over 2,000 years ago. That's what Christmas is all about. He came, he lived, he died. He sent his Holy Spirit to empower us to be who God wants us to be. And so we have to seek him. And the Bible says we find him. God loved, so he gave. Jesus loved, so he saved. Now it's our job to seek after that love, to go after him, to be seekers. Many of us just want God to find us. He already found us. He already found you. He's already saved you. You're under his grace. You're under your mercy. But when you need God, it's not a time to wait. It's a time to seek, to be a seeker of him. And if we're gonna fly in the face of culture to defy it, we have to learn to seek God. What does that mean for you? It means being committed to God's word, to reading the Bible. The only way for us to really get to know God is to read his word. It describes who he is. It describes Jesus, his ministry, Throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, all of it points Jesus. We have to get in his word. We have to learn to worship, not just on a Sunday morning, worship on your own, in your car. Again, it described, we had to obey, we had to worship, we had to serve. We have to get involved in things. You have to pray throughout the day. The Bible says we're to pray without ceasing. Does that mean you pray all the time that you can't have a conversation? No, it just means that you include Jesus throughout your day. When you face a tough situation at work, you don't have to wait at home until you get to your bedtime prayers, right? You can stop right there and say, God, I need you in this moment. I'm frustrated with my boss. Be a part of my day. God, I'm, I'm frustrated with this. God, culture is trying to suck me in. I'm tempted by this. I want to fall into that. I'm seeking you, God. I'm including you in my day. And the Bible says when we do that, he's there. When we seek, we find. But it takes us being the one to seek him out, including God in every detail of our life, being consistent in church, making a commitment to be here, to be involved, to show up, to get involved in things, to be a seeker of Jesus. We have to defy culture. We have to be a seeker. The wise men went on a journey. They sought after God. He was their sole purpose in their life. It has to be the same for us. And then lastly today, to really take control of Christmas, we have to also then be a giver. We have to be a giver. Culture is all about getting. Matthew 2, 10 through 11, again, it says, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. They opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, which were very high, ex- high-end, expensive gifts. So these men, again, let's, let's, let's get the perspective of the journey here. Two-year journey, right? They finally get to where they are. I don't know about you, but if I traveled two years to see someone, thousand miles through the desert with sandals and a camel, I'd be like, hey, what's up? Can I get something to eat? You got something to drink? Anywhere I can kick my feet up for a little bit? Can you guys serve me for a little while? I, I had a long journey to get here. You know, I'm not about to just, it said when they got to the house, what did they do? It said they bowed down and they gave a gift to Jesus. They worshiped him. The whole purpose of their journey was not about what they could receive from Jesus, Many of us, that's how it is. Okay, God, what can I get from you? I'll serve you, but what are you going to give me? What can I get from you? That's defined, that's, that's culture. Christmas is all about what you can get. Get to the store, get what you can, get the gifts, get the deals, get all this stuff. But Christmas was never about what you could get. It's always been about what you could give. God so loved that he gave his son. Jesus so loved that he gave his life voluntarily, laid it down for us. And if we're going to really keep Christ in Christmas, we have to make sure that we don't focus on about what we can get out of Christmas, what we can get from other people. 
but to really be the example of Jesus, to continue to be the example of his love because he's given us that responsibility. We have to be focused not on what we can get, but on what we can give. The wise men understood that, that they weren't coming to Bethlehem to get anything, but to simply give. And it said that once they presented their gifts to him, that they turned around and they went home. Two years just to show their love, to show their commitment, to present the best of what they had to Jesus, to say, it's not about what I can get out of this. It's about what I can give to this. That's what Christmas is all about. And the purpose of our journey in our life is to give and to invest the very best of what we have back into God's kingdom. Back into people, to love them, to show them who Jesus is. And I think all of us at this point in our life, you should understand the principle. The Bible says it's better to give than it is to receive, right? And if you've ever had a kid or you've ever had someone that you were able to really give something to that you knew would change their life. Have you, has anyone ever had that opportunity to really give something to someone like that? I was meeting with a friend of mine the other day. He's a businessman. He's been very successful and and, and, and he's been blessed this year. And so he said, you know, we sat down together, him and his wife, and they picked out eight different people in their life that they could bless financially this Christmas that they knew would make a difference. And, and he was sharing with me these stories, and I just was sitting there thinking, like, what an awesome place to be in to where you're, you're, you're financially able to say, you know what, I see that need, I'm going to meet it. And he said, you know what, he said, he goes, I could, I could use that money to get something else. He goes, but I don't need anything else. He goes, and I get so much joy out of giving that. It's just the same thing with my kids, that, that we work hard, we find the gift for them, and, you know, Riley opens it up, and she, she's all excited, and she's thankful. What an awesome thing, the joy. I, you know, you could give me anything, and I get way more joy out of watching my kids receive something from me than I do of receiving anything. And that's the awesome thing about God is that when we really get this principle of giving, he said it's more blessed to give than to receive, that when we really get that, not only are we blessed right here where we can enjoy seeing someone receive something and giving away of our very best to God and to those people, but God then says, now that you get it, you're my kid and I love you and you're giving me the worship and you're putting me first in priority. Now I can give back to you because God has a lot of joy in watching us receive his blessings as well. It's an awesome principle of God's word. And if we're gonna keep Christmas about Jesus, we can't get sucked into the culture that says it's all about you, it's all about what you can get, not about what you can give. We have to be seekers. We have to be intentional about prioritizing our life to keep Jesus at the center of it all this Christmas. I don't know what that's gonna mean for you. Maybe it's canceling a couple parties that I had to do. Maybe it's changing you know, your budget around a little bit and saying, you know what, I'm not gonna spend all this money here. I wanna give, I wanna bless. I wanna keep Christ in the center of it all. The band's gonna come and we're gonna close out today, but I think that's the question that we have to ask ourselves, all of us individually, is, is how can you be a giver this Christmas? How can you be a seeker? What do you need to do to keep Jesus at the forefront of Christmas for your life, for your family? There's some little silly things that I remember that we used to do to where you know, people will actually have a cake on Christmas Day, a birthday cake for Jesus. I was in the car the other day listening to Christmas music and the happy birthday Jesus song came on, you know? 
and I would sing it for you, but it'd be really bad. Um, but they, you know, the little girls singing, it's like a kid choir, and it's happy birthday. See, I'm finding myself singing it. Jesus, you know, and it's all sweet, you know, but maybe you need to do that. Maybe before your kids open up the, the presents that they're going to get, that you sit down with them and you say, here's the Christmas story, kids. Like, we're glad, we're so blessed that, that we're able to do this and that we can give to you and you can get things this Christmas, but let's remember what it's about. And read them the Christmas story. It's about Jesus and that God loved you so he gave his son for you. And that's why we're celebrating. That's why we're here today. Maybe it's doing something as simple as that. And being a giver to where you say, you know what, we're going to invest. Maybe we're going to go to a local charity. Maybe we're going to get involved with the Toys for Tot. We're going to sponsor some kids. We're, we're going to sacrifice. Each couple of my kids are going to skip a few presents this year. And we're going to give to a family who couldn't otherwise have a Christmas unless someone helped them out. A single mom who's working two jobs, who's, who's laying it all on the line. And, and, and the kids won't have a Christmas if not for them. I don't know what it is for you. But all I know is that God wants us to represent him well. He always has, he always will. That's the whole purpose. And Christmas for us has to be about Jesus. And so as Christ followers, we can't get sucked in to the culture of this world. Christmas has gone commercial. They're doing everything they can to push Jesus out of Christmas. And so we have to take control. God's given us that ability, the power of choice, to take control of your Christmas, of your Christmas vacation say for me and my house for my family it's going to be about Jesus and we're going to do things different this year to keep it about him we're going to be an example to our neighbors to our co-workers to even our family members and to our close friends to say we're going to keep Christmas about its original meaning and that's Jesus